Rausch, and I'm inviting you to join me on my Natural Solutions Natural Health Podcast. My guests who visit me will enlighten and inspire you about many different approaches to natural wellness. I believe the stories and information my guests share about their journey and commitment to natural health will be so encouraging for you. My podcast is riding on the wave of the future, and we will take you there with wonderful information. Come and ride the wave of natural health. We are ready to go, so let's get to it. Welcome to our March podcast. Today's subject is of great interest to me and my husband because we purchased organic foods and uh, other things, even for our pets. I think that um, my personal opinion, it has a lot more flavor. I know it has a lot more nutrition. Today, our guest is Tom Hirschberger, and Tom is an organic inspector. He inspects processing plants and crops. So let's get to it. To start off, Tom, can you explain organic to our listeners? I can do that. Uh, And I I will add in in the beginning of this conversation that uh, everything I say isn't always inclusive. It it doesn't include everything that involves the organic world, but we'll try to keep things on a simple level because uh, the regulations are regulations. They're legally written and everything like that pertaining to NOP. So... We'll go with that. Organic is uh, it's federally regulated, and I'm going to read from some notes just because uh, I, I want to be clear on what NOP is, National Organic Program, and everything. Um, the National the Organic Foods Production Act of 1990 required the Secretary of Agriculture to establish a national list of allowed and prohibited substances. Uh, and it, it identifies these substances that may be used and cannot be used in organic production. And that led to the National Organic Program in 2000. Okay. It restricts the use of the term organic to be certified to organic producers who must comply and submit all records if requested. And this has to do with food production, processing, delivery, retail, sale, uh, all products certified organic. You know, we, we tend to think of things being very natural and I know a common term today is organic flow of a company or uh, pure and things like that. But this is, this is very firmly regulated and there's a lot of restrictions as far as the use of the word uh, in selling products as organic. So it, there's a lot of regulations. USDA NOP website has all the regulations, has all the beginnings of the National Organic Program, what you can do, all certifying agencies listed. And I think that's something you can probably post on your Facebook page okay. uh, sometime. We'll you know, we can We can get there. But that, in a nutshell, if that kind of describes what organic is, it segregates it specifically from other foods and products for sale. You know, that's really interesting to me because um, I think a lot of people might, Think about organic as just this little small farmer that's producing some organic, um, you know, crops and maybe letting their chickens run out in the grass, you know. But um, just you reading those regulations tells you that there is a lot more to this worldwide. There is. Um, And I I know we're going to talk a little bit about non-GMO. Nothing that's genetically modified is allowed to be used in organic. Anything. Well, okay. how, how did organic get started? 
that's essentially how there there was a demand for it. Uh, there was a need for it, and and people wanted it. So the government was going to regulate what can be termed organic and what can't be. You know, we won't get into to everything uh, the government does and doesn't do, but they they do try to regulate terminology for the safety of people for the most part. And when when this came into being, you're, you're looking at, and I don't want to talk like off record and not have everything in front of me, but the reasons these 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 laws were went into effect is it could be regulated. Okay, and so when you use the word organic, people aren't looking at something and going. Oh, this means there's no antibiotics used. There's no growth hormones used in these products. That if it has that seal, that's correct. And, you know, if other people falsely uh, mislead using the word organic in their labeling, then there could be some issues involved. Well, people then should not um, confuse the words natural with organic, correct? Correct. Correct. I, and I, I won't go into all, all the legalities involved, but essentially when we're looking at uh, organic, it must have the organic seal or it must bear a seal of an equivalent country's origin. Yes. Okay. Because uh, you're looking at like European Union, there's equivalencies, and I know that's kind of a, a big word, but there, it's essentially an agreement uh, with Canadian organic regime European Union and a lot of others around the world that they will take our products and we will take their organic products and recognize them as organic. Now, there may be some that aren't allowed back and forth. Uh, I'll give you just a brief example, not to go down to too many rabbit holes, but in poultry, uh, Canadian organic regime requires outdoor access for their birds, as we do in the United States, but the outdoor access must be the same dimensions as the indoor access. In the United States, NOP only requires half the space outside as what inside dimensions are. So we cannot ship poultry to Canada under organic unless we meet their requirements in poultry. There are a, a, a few small items like that in and throughout the agreements going between both or all countries, but essentially they do agree on what is organic and what will be defined as non-organic. So, Well, I'm just going to throw this in here because of how you're saying about working back and forth within countries. I'm working on a project right now to educate about um, chemicals and those sort of things that are in cosmetics because in Europe, there's a lot of cosmetics over there that do, well, they, they are not allowed to have some of the chemicals that we are allowed here in the United States. Mm. So if a company is going to produce a product and sell it in that country, just like with what you said with organic, they have to change those formulas. So that's kind of uh, interesting that yeah. uh, somebody's going to uh, stick to their guns, I guess. So uh, how did organic actually get started, Tom? There I don't know. Other than those food acts of 1990 and 2000, Yes. Did we have it in our classes I took for training? Yes, we did. Did I pass the test? Yes, I did. Do I remember it? No, I yeah. don't. <laughs> well, I think coming from uh, the side that I work with a lot of times with natural products, uh, uh, supplements and that type mm -hmm. of thing, and healthy eating is that uh, as soon as you start to learn how some things are grown and the pesticides and those kind of things, 
someone somewhere years ago thought, why? I don't think that's so good for me, even though they might not have had all the science behind it. And maybe that's kind of how it took off. Yeah, I, I don't personally believe it's coincidental that it, it evolved as a uh, federally regulated entity and guaranteeing what people get to eat and don't eat with the use of genetically modified grains and, and other products. Um, labeling of, of products has always been an issue, be it in food or, or other items, even in, in your industry, just like mm-hmm. what you're saying. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's just a never-ending battle. Yeah. So as an inspector then, what, what do you do? What's required when you, you know, do your inspections? Uh, typically, when a, a certifying agency, there's like uh, around 2019, I'm um, looking at the register and there were uh, 79 entities that are certified to give you that USDA seal of approval. Basically, you apply to them and obviously nothing is free. There, there are fees applied uh, to the certifying agency. Some are nonprofit and some are for-profit. Some are larger than others. Some focus mainly on crops. Some are global within the United States. You know, they'll, they're certified in other countries as well. So you, you will apply to this certifying agency, and there are several reviewers who, who look over your application. They may require some more information from you. Once the information is reviewed and acceptable, deemed acceptable, they will assign an inspector, and that would be someone like myself, and uh, you go and you complete, conduct the inspection and turn the report back in, and it's reviewed again several more times. But in that inspection, like when you walk into a processing plant, do you have specific things that you are looking for? Yes. I was just kind of trying to give you the flow that, that the inspector uh, observes and reports only. We have no final say over what's going on uh, after the inspection with the materials and documentation that we do collect during the inspection. That is all done by the certifying agency. So we're we're unlike, say, some state officials who can come in and put a stop sale on feeds or things like that. We have no authority. We simply observe and report. And what we do, everybody has an organic system plan. It's just shorthanded as OSP. And everything in that plan details who you are legally, where you are, what you sell, what you sell, what you handle, how you process, where you store items, your, your origin of livestock, what feed you're using to feed the livestock. Everything is documented. But when you go in, is, are those the things that you're looking at? Yes. Okay. Yes. What I do is review the organic system plan. I review materials. We're looking at records. Um, what, we'll go in and basically introduce myself. I have an ID to prove I am who I am, especially these days with, with security being so high, you know, with COVID and everything. Uh, and we'll start either with a plant physical tour or start paperwork first. We, we review everything in, our, in the existing organic system plan. Uh, equipment, how you clean, what you sanitize with, if you sanitize, is it all documented? And you review random um, documentation periods. So that, that's up to me as an inspector to determine what I want to examine or what dates I want to examine. I can look at all of them. I can look at some of them. We look at uh, previous history. 
have there been any issues of concern. We look at, uh, basically, it's called a product recall, but we call it a traceback, that we can trace products in, say, a formula back to the origin of purchase, and we need all the accompanying documentation to go along with that. We do what was called a mass balance. Essentially, that's just what did you have in inventory? What did you receive? What did you sell? What's your final inventory? And I know in, in your shop, that, that can be pretty simple, but in like a bakery or someone making candy, you know, you have to take specific ingredients and look at the product formulations that they have and calculate it out as this exactly what they have. You want to prove that they're not using or selling more organic products than what they receive or have in inventory. And also, would you look at like, if they're using all these different ingredients and they're making a product like a bakery, Mm -hmm. they're getting uh, supplies from all kinds of places to make that food. So all of those places that they get that from have to be certified also. That's correct. And we review those organic certificates as well. All, all, Good manufacturing practices, you do have approved suppliers, but these suppliers all have to have organic certificates for the materials that can be certified organic. Well, you know, um, I've mentioned on this program several times, and it made me think about this when you said something. Um, I have actually toured the manufacturing plant where we we sell and purchase um, or purchase and sell our products. supplements. Mm-hmm. And I know that when they send their inspectors out to the field, um, that I remember distinctly that one of the inspectors said that one of the first places they go is to the sink where they wash their hands to see if that water is hot enough to, to mm-hmm. when they wash their hands to kill the germs. So, you know, all of those things I think, um, are just fascinating and, and should be very interesting to our listeners because there's a lot that goes into this to get that stamp on there that the product is organic. Yeah. So I know you travel all over the country, Tom, because I know your wife and I know you're <laughs> gone a lot. I am. But, um, you know, when, when I've traveled out to uh, California and up towards Oregon and, and those areas, there's lots and lots of organic. You don't have to worry about getting or, organic meals or purchasing organic. So do you find that in your travels that, um, in what you do, or is it not that uh, broad? That really depends what area I'm in. I'm kind of tight on my budget. Uh, I don't, we're allowed so much, you know, to spend for meals and things, and I usually just don't look for the, I mean, if those places are easily accessible, I'm fine. I'm usually fly to an area, go do my job, get back to the hotel, finish your report, go home. Well, I didn't mean job. personally, but yeah. I meant what you're inspecting is uh, more specific than the, the huge, what I see when I travel out there, that organics everywhere. Most of the places I inspect, you, they're just there. They're just a plant or they are a uh, receiving bay. They are a processing facility. Some have their names out front. Some are, are private contractors. Some are warehouses on the river or uh, seaport that receive organic grains well, how internationally. Do you, how do you get the names of these places that you go to inspect? They're supplied by the certifying agency. Nobody who wishes to become certified organic would ever contact me. 
other than by, by say, questioning me, and I would direct them to a website where to go, where the certifying agencies are, something like that, okay. word of so, mouth. So the certifying agency would find those places by an application that they have filed somewhere to be organic. Anybody that wants to be certified organic will, will find a certifying agency close to them. A lot of, a lot of folks shop around uh, to find the best agency suited for them. Some are more acclimated, say, for crops than others. Some are better suited for processing facilities. And uh, Well, speaking of yes. crops, mm-hmm. you inspect crops? I do inspect crops. Um, I prefer processing facilities. Everybody kind of has their own little niche. There's a lot of folks out there who are inspecting organic that I've met personally. So I guess a lot might be a misnomer uh, proportionally to who's actually out there. But they are have been farmers most of their lives, growing crops organically, and now they wish to inspect. And so it's very familiar to them. And so they start out. Um, you Most people go with the International Organic Inspector Association. They officially train people, and I've taken the training to go into either crops, livestock, or processing facilities. Some certifying agencies require that you take any or all these courses specific to the areas that you're going to inspect people on. Okay, Most certifying agencies will also shadow you, or you shadow them as well, on a few inspections to see how they specifically want you to interact with the clients and how they want the information documented. And then they'll follow you around, shadow you, and watch you perform. Some have a little bit more uh, lengthy of a training period uh, with them. So it, it just depends on the certifying agency. But essentially, people that want to get certified organic will find a certifying body. There's a lot of word of mouth. I mean, a lot of farmers and processing facilities are very much aware who's organic and who's not organic as far, and who's located where as far as certifying agencies. Well, I don't know if our local listeners realize, but we have an organic farm down in Coshocton. It's called Strawberry Farms. And um, I actually took a group there to tour that. And it was amazing. Now, this is why I was asking you what you do when you do crops, because he told us how you're allowed to plant something in this field for now, but then you have to stop planting that and you have to move that crop to somewhere else and let that soil regain the nutrients. Is, am I saying this correctly? There, there is a move towards regenerative agriculture within the organic community. Um, some certifying agencies want that. Some add that to your um, organic system plan and on your certificate. What, what you get when you're certified organic is a certificate that says this is the date you're certified organic who you are, legal name, their name, a number assigned, and you get what's called, uh, in most circles, an addendum, for lack of better terminology, I'll just use that. And it specifies specifically what you are organic. Uh, Is it wheat? Are you handling? Are you processing? Things like that. Well, I'll never forget being on that farm, though. As much work as it seemed to to me and the group that was there, of all the rotating and all the things they had to do, Mm -hmm. those the, the husband and wife that own that, they were so enthusiastic about what they're doing. And um, I think anybody that, that loves natural and organic, it's, it's a passion of theirs. And um, so hopefully I'll have them on here someday. But anyway, so um, can you explain the difference between 
organic and non-GMO, because that's real big right now. I mean, you it see is. it stamped on things, you know, so can you kind of explain? Uh, Non-GMO and just real short, like I say, it's not all inclusive, but non-GMO uses nothing that's genetically modified and they test all products. Can you explain genetically modified though? What is that? It's changed. It's a man-made. Okay. It's changed in a lab somewhere. Um, it just like uh, genetically modified corn might be resistant. They have developed it to be resistant to uh, certain pesticides. Okay. And you can spray these pesticides as the corn's growing uh, to kill any insects which might be around and it won't hurt the crop. Okay. But it, it definitely has changed what the corn is. Now, you know, obviously we're not going to get into any discussions on what people prefer, but it is a, is a man-made change. It's not a naturally occurring change in the actual product itself. Um, I remember touring an organic wine facility in California. And what was fascinating was when they explained the type of uh, flower bush that they plant mm -hmm. at the end of the the rose on each end because that I think if I've got it right would attract some of the bugs to there mm -hmm. instead of to the plants so you know that's that's amazing yeah the, there's a lot of uh, biologicals that can be used in organic farming you know having some some aphids come around certain times of the year to eat other insects and things like that and that's what organic farmers uh, learn to do um, but getting back to your, to your original question uh, genetically modified products are, can be specifically identified through analysis. And so that's what non-GMO uh, certified agencies use. Every crop is, is tested. Every lot number is tested. Okay. No GMOs are allowed in organic. And that is all documented as well. S they do not always require a specific test for that but you have to prove that you purchased organic seed okay for your crops you have to prove your livestock is being fed non-organic materials and also with organic there are no growth hormones used uh, no certain pesticides and fertilizers are not allowed okay so and no antibiotics and that's that's the difference between um, non-GMO products don't, some do, it's just the way some, some folks roll when, when they have their, their products and their farms or whatnot, but it's not a requirement. Yeah, well, you know, um, it could be kind of uh, complicated, I think, and, and you don't <laughs> yeah, have, it, to, you don't have yeah. to answer on this, but I can envision like here's an organic farm over here and here's a non-GMO farm over here and the, the bees might be going back and forth. That might not be a good thing. Uh, I don't know. But it just seems like, you know, they pollinate and, you know, that, that would have an effect if those plants are man-made combinations versus the organic that's the whole natural plant. The bee, you know, the bee, bees are important. But anyway, that just crossed my mind that that could be like, you know, one's over here and one's over here. So, well... The barriers are part of crops um, and it's a requirement. And having a neighbor who uh, 
uses GMO products and fertilizers and things like that. Um, spray drift is, is very much regulated and watched for. And an organic farmer may be, depending on who his neighbors are, required to randomly have the crops tested just be, because of that for maybe pesticides or insecticides and or fertilizers, depending on the application of your neighbors. So those sorts of things do happen uh, where it's generally, if you can prove that there is no risk for that happening on your farm, that's great. But if there is a great risk, yeah, there's some testing done. It's just, it's sometimes isn't really rocket science, but yeah. Well, I'll have to give you this documentary that I just watched. And it, it was in, of interest to me because it was all about flowers. Mm. But this couple bought a couple acres. She had a passion for flowers. And what happened was they had an opportunity to buy 200 and some acres around them. But when they went to plant more flowers, which was their business, the soil was so dead. There was nothing left in the soil to nurture the, the flowers. So they had to bring in all of these additive soils and everything to build the nourishment back up because the flowers wouldn't even grow. So I thought that was just fascinating. And of course, they wanted to be, they wanted their flowers to flourish. So they wanted more natural, everything mm -hmm. that they did was more natural. Uh, but on a little bit different subject, um, you know, my husband and I do like to eat grass-fed beef. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of tell the certifications for or what happens when someone's uh, selling grass-fed beef? That is an area I really haven't been trained in specifically, but there are requirements that you have to prove what, the, what your livestock ate very specifically, and you have to be able to have the documentation available in tonnage and then you, there are calculations. It's the same with organic milk. You know, you have to prove that these, these cows were put out to pasture for X days. And you have to show all your purchases of any uh, agricultural products that you have. And prove, you know, you have to prove in numbers that they, they got grass. That now, they were out in the field or you, you purchased approved materials for them to consume okay is there a difference between a grass-fed beef now maybe you can't answer this but i think you probably can grass-fed beef mm -hmm. but grass-fed beef that at the end they throw in some grain my understanding is you're allowed some grain at the end even under grass-fed regulations but, but it would but need I'd, to be organic or not you don't know that would if if they're getting the stamp i would say Yes, but like I say, I, I don't inspect in that arena. Okay. So that's just, that's just shooting yeah. from the hip on my Okay, part. well, now yeah. that you're talking about that you don't inspect in that arena, how uh, did you get involved in doing inspections and your certification and all that? Okay. Well, as, as you know, I'm sure a lot of those folks out there don't, but I spent most of my career working in dairy on the processing end of things, and I handled all regulatory agencies. I worked with those guys. And yes, I'm old as dirt, so I was around when. Well, when I'm right there with you. So <laughs> when Hazmat started and HACCP, you know, hazard analysis, hazard analysis, critical control points, um, all the the current regulations that we all take for granted, like food safety and everything, was just being developed in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. 
And so I was heavily involved in developing those programs within the facilities that I worked at. And I was approached by uh, Dan Masters, who has Highland Naturals Consulting, and he consults in the non-GMO and organic world. And so it was just a matter of learning the nomenclature and studying the regulations and understanding, you know, what clients I'd be working with on the consulting event. And it's doing a lot. It's actually a lot of training, a lot of paperwork for the people we work with. Uh, a lot of folks who, who get into the organic world really aren't used to the amount of paperwork. Sometimes facilities who are very well run have great quality assurance programs, but this is just a ton more of paperwork required for organic. It's just, it's an, it's an incredible, unless you're involved with it, you don't really don't understand. You have to write down everything. You have to document everything. And that's just something I've always done. Um, I've Would been, you say I've been it's okay a passion with. of yours? I enjoy it. I would I, say then I, it's I, a passion. If you enjoy, enjoy it, yeah. if you enjoy it, it's a passion. Well, I enjoy working with the different farmers and just uh, seeing the differences and how they, how they approach. And even though you end up with the same same thing, so we, we do a lot of training, and that was my entry into the organic world. So documentation and filling out paperwork and working with regulatory agencies was just something that I've always done. And you know, the inspecting end of it, you, you have to be able to work with people and handle situations and and not be intimidated. You know, although the people aren't intimidating, but the, the pressure you can put upon yourself, you know, that as, mm -hmm. as a business owner, it's just a, a different type of environment. And I went and took the training uh, to become an inspector because it seemed to be very appropriate to give me more street creds for lack of better terminology. Again, working with the certifying agencies that I knew what I was talking about when I was, uh, trying to give them a point of understanding and explaining documentation with them for our, our clients. And then I thought it would just be better experience for myself to actually go out and conduct some inspections. So I found a certifying agency that we work with and I work with them a little bit as far as training. One thing the organic program has in place is they want a lot of transparency in everything that they do. So I make sure I do not uh, conduct any inspections in arenas where I am consulting. So there's no conflict of interest. There wouldn't be, but we just don't even get close to that. So anything that, that's similar where I'm consulting, I do not conduct any inspections or I will turn them down. I mean, that makes that, sense. Yeah. Well, that's one thing yeah. as an inspector, when you apply to agencies and most people do that, you, you have to apply to an agency and they will conduct interviews as any job. They will look at your training. Did you take the official training, IOIA, or have you worked with some other certifying body? And they will train you, and you fill out forms and any associations that you have in the world with organizations, anything you have done or you are currently working with, any companies you work with, to make sure there's no conflict of interest or anything that would appear to be. So they're, they're very transparent in, in everything that they do, and that's essentially how I got started, okay. and I enjoy the travel and the work, so I kind of fill out my ear with uh, conducting inspections. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to throw this in. I know when you were going through all this and studying and everything, 
uh, that when you finished up, your wife was very proud of you. I want you to know that. Uh, She bragged about you a little bit. So, you know, before I go on to the next question, this came across when you talked about hazmat. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think your wife, Kathy, told me that, do you have to wear a hazmat suit these days when you go in to inspect some of the places because of uh, what's happening, going around Mm -hmm. the viruses? Well, we have to wear a mask. If you're in the organic world anywhere around livestock, you have to suit up. Basically, uh-huh. wear the protective gear. Any visitor, I, I will say that, um, working with any livestock, just because they don't use antibiotics. You know, they're prohibited. They're, they're supplements or livestock aids or any materials used for bird health, uh, cattle health, is really restricted. And so they're, they have to be more... Well, I can't think of the word I would want to use more restrictive in their approach to allowing visitors on property because their animals are more uh, open to re- receiving like uh, avian influenza or something like that or like swine flu, you know, dealing with the hogs and things. So they're, they're more susceptible, I guess, would be the, the correct word. Sometimes they don't always come to me as freely as I'd like them to. But so you're always having to sign in and out wearing the protective gear that's protective coverings on your boot the full coverall thing just like in the movies everything except yeah. the goggles yeah yeah i'd like so. to see a picture of that. <laughs> i usually carry an extra pair in my uh my vehicle so yeah yeah so you you should actually get a picture of that sometime i'd like to see that okay okay <laughs> so um what about uh our listeners, do you have any advice for them about reading labels or looking at labels? Just, you know, we, we're not going to go into reading the USDA regs and, and what colors you can use and everything, but you should be reading your labels anyway, it, depending on what you're looking for specifically. You know, if you, it's, it's up to you whether you want to eat non-GMO verified products or organic products and not but it's you have to educate yourself you know you can like i say the website's available they will specifically tell you what can be used on the organic logo and what can't be you just as as uh, consumers we have to be very much and let the consumer you know buyer beware um on how, how your labeling is i mean you're very good at understanding the order of which the contents are listed okay and that determines the percent that's in these products anything that's that's organic they should for the main products have organic in front of the word like organic flour organic cane sugar something like that for example organic milk if it's just one ingredient or none but it says organic on a label but it has no like official logo because sometimes people will just make up their own if the ingredients aren't listed in a certain way then you, you have to understand that you probably don't have a certified organic product. And that's the same with the other agencies, um, be it kosher or vegan. They have their own uh, trademark as well. Well, I have a nephew that actually um, is a consultant in the government about labeling. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're trying to um, work towards getting away from those big words that people don't understand and, and putting on there so that it says what it actually is because a lot of people are not going to look up those big words. 
And um, I think that'll have a huge impact on choices that we make when mm-hmm. we read labels, if we actually know what that is, yeah. instead of that big word that we can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. So, so Tom, do you have anything else that you just, anything that we may have missed or you want to discuss that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, the one, one thing I, I would add at the very end, you know, because I'm, I'm a Jesus guy, you know, I, I follow him, and I, I do believe that we are, we should take care of our bodies. And if you look at me, no, I haven't all my life. Oh, you have too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we should watch what we're, we're intaking and things like that. And, and that, that's a great subject for a debate among people. I know there's some vegans out there that believe, you know, we shouldn't eat meat. And that's sort of biblical and everything. Uh, it's a good topic for a debate, but I believe uh, one of the, the trademarks out there is fair trade, uh, which yeah. which uh, proves that like products like coffee and candy are not made with any kind of trafficking or slave labor. I do believe uh, personally in that, that, that as a Christian, that we should try to identify products that are made properly our source yeah. properly and we have the technology now to conduct those investigations on our own and what we buy it may cost us more to do some other things and whatnot but that's what i would throw in there you know just educate yourself carmella will have a few maybe websites that you can go to as far as these regulations and they i will are, list them Tom. Yeah, they are rather legally legalese if you will uh in, in some of the construction of, of what they are, but everything in the National Organic Program is listed in there. What it takes to be a accrediting agency, what it takes to be uh, a certified body, what it takes to be organic, you know, how you do your record keeping, you know, what livestock can be organic and what can't. They're very specific in everything. The national list provides all the materials that you can use and can't use, you know, things like that. So, it's pretty cool. You, you can get as much information, uh, credible information, uh, from, from the websites that, that we'll provide. So, Well, you know, yeah. my husband uh, told me just the other day, he said, you know, one thing about us having to stay in, you know, because of COVID and everything, he said, we sure have spent a lot less money on things. <laughs> and so this would be a good time know. when you brought up about fair trade mm-hmm. and about organic, because a lot of people think they can't afford it. But it's getting much more affordable. And um, being aware that all this time we've done without a lot of things we really didn't need anyway, that we could support groups like fair trade and people who are working hard to give us healthy foods, you know, that are yeah. full of nutrition and all those things. So... Tom, I really, really appreciate you being here today. I think you are a wealth of information. So I, I really thank you for joining us on Natural so- uh, Yeah. <laughs> now I'm all, I'm all wound up. Natural Solutions, Natural Health Podcast. Uh, in April, my guest is going to be Sue Hardesty Rittenauer. She is an author and a graduate of the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And um, she's also a health and wellness coach. So come join us in April and we'll be talking with Sue and we'll share some information about her book. And thanks for joining us today. Have a great weekend, a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.